Eric, here we are again, Beyond the Pew. We're excited. We are. I am excited to get to these questions again. I appreciate people tuning in, watching. Had some good responses from folks again on Sunday that they appreciated some of the stuff that we're talking through. And a lot of that's due to people's questions that they've turned yeah. in, which is Yeah, and, and, and I guess this goes without saying that we should encur- you know, encourage you guys as you're watching it to share it, to text yeah. your friends, let yes. them know. Put it on your Instagram, Twitter. Sure. Snap. No, nobody uses Snapchat anymore. If you're watching this, do yeah. you use Snapchat? That's a question to ask. Yeah, comment. Do you, do you use Snapchat? I've never used. I've never used. Snapchat. Did you know how Snapchat works? Yeah, I know how it works, but I've never used it. Okay, what about TikTok? Nope, never used TikTok. You've never done a TikTok. Never. So you have four daughters, and you have never done TikTok. My daughters them. do not have TikTok or Snapchat. They yeah, but either. I'm sure that even though they don't have TikTok, they probably know some TikTok dances. I'm sure they do, but not from TikTok. And you have never done any. You didn't ask if I've ever done TikTok dances. You've asked if I've ever... <laughs> okay, let me rephrase it. Have you ever done Let's a TikTok dance? Let's get to the questions. <laughs> Let's get to the questions. We've done this the last couple of weeks. Uh, we have been looking at some listener-submitted questions, and they've been fun. They've been good. And so we're going to keep keep tackling these today. Okay. Um, so why don't we dive right in, Eric? So what is the best Father's Day gift you have ever received? <laughs> yeah. Oh. You know, Father's Day coming up this Sunday. Father's Day is coming up this Sunday. You've been a father for how long? I have been a father. It will be for 15 years in July. 15 years. Yeah, my, wow. old, my oldest turns 15 here in July. So. Wow. She's going to be driving soon. How long have you been a father? Uh, two years. Two years? Two years, yeah. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Well, answer the question, Eric. What's the best Father's Day gift you've ever you've ever received? My best father, I have, it's been two. One was uh, a frame picture that said Happy Father's Day, and then he had my daughter's feet on them, like painted. Oh, nice. It was like a little bit sentimental. That was like the best thing for me. Yeah. And then another one was like a mug with one of my Emer- my oldest daughter, Emerson, her face. Nice. In the mug. Yeah, so just sentimental things. That's great. Yeah. That's cool. There's other things I wanted. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> But those were wow. the, the <laughs> no, yeah. those were those were great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. What about you? <laughs> yeah, uh, best Father's Day gifts uh, I think I, I've ever received would be my four daughters. Wow, you, I knew you yeah. would go there. Yep. Just like last yeah. week, we talked about ten thousand. Right. Yeah. You will give it all to your wife. I mean, some people want you material things. Some people want material things like mugs and wow. and pictures and stuff. The but joy of four, fatherhood. My four daughters would be the best Father's Day gifts wow. I could ever have. Uh, all wow. of them. You love you, girls. Love you, girls. Um, but yeah, so if I said a gift though, uh, that would be like a physical gift. They, they've got me this, uh, it's in my office. Actually, they spelled out that DAD it's in my office and it's like individual. I don't even know what you call them though. Like, it's almost like pottery that you like, there's a technical term for it, but it's, it spells out DAD and they painted them individually. And I have them on display in my office and those are really cool. I see them every day and uh, people make comments on them all the time when they come in. So that was really cool. Uh, just, you know, look, it says dad and it <laughs> is from your kids and oh, that's really neat. That's pretty. And my kids come in and they mess with them all the time and move them around. Yeah, um, I come in and it says ad, not dad. Yep. I was just going to say, because yeah. people, people mess around with people them, but I know, I know why they're there, but yeah, yeah. that's good. Um, that's it's not, tough that's to nice. put, tough to put a price tag on kids though. So exactly. The fact that my daughters are, my daughters is that's special. That's enough. That's enough. That should be enough, right? Indeed. So with that in light, in light of that question, yes, if yes. you give, volunteer, support a church, but do not feel pain, are you doing enough? Can you can you read that one more time? If you give, slash volunteer, slash support a church, but do not feel pain, are you doing enough? So if you give, support, serve, etc., but you're not feeling pain, are you doing enough? 
Hmm. And I guess a following question with that would be how sacrificial should giving feel? Yeah. So I guess just to clarify the question in case people are, are listening, they're like, man, I'm feeling pain. If you're physically in pain, see a doctor. Right. <laughs> if that's what people are asking. Uh, if you're, I don't know if, if you're physically in pain. There. No, I know what they're asking. They're asking basically about the sacrificial side yeah, of giving. Does it, of, does it cost you yeah, enough? And you do you need to give more? And, and that's an interesting question because I don't know that I can't think of anywhere biblically where we are necessarily called specifically to give in a way that we feel pain. Yeah. Um, God loves a cheerful giver, Correct. right? So when we look at specifically New Testament giving, we see really principles of giving that it's regular giving. Uh, they would set aside an offering, you know, and it was regular for the church. Um, we would see that it would be something that is willful. The Bible talks about let each person give as they have purposed in their own heart to give. So it should be regular. It should be willful, not something that is pulled out of someone, yeah. not something that they're coerced into giving. And then the third aspect, and I think this is where the question gets to, is it should be sacrificial. Yeah. So New Testament giving is is planned and regular. Um, it's something that is willful, and it's something that is sacrificial. And so to the level of is it sacrificial, I think was what really is being asked here. Yeah. Is if you're not sure if you're giving in a sacrificial way— um, that really is something that every individual has to answer for yeah. themselves about how they're giving before the Lord. And so what I encourage people when it comes to this area of giving, whether it's serving financially, time, investment of whatever, is that you would make that a matter of prayer before the Lord and asking the Lord to give you peace about the amount that you give, about the time that you're investing, about your service that you're investing. And if, if God is convicting you, if God's leading in such a way that there's conviction or there's a heaviness on your heart of, man, God is expecting more from me or asking more of me, then yeah. I would not ignore the prompting of the Spirit of God. But there's, a, but, there's but that's a very like fine line that you can walk, too, because you can go on the other spectrum where you think that everything that you're doing that is sacrificial immediately honors God, immediately is sure. what God honors. Now, we're told you know, in the New Testament not to give out of our abundance, right? You, you look at the story of the the lady in the, in the, the church that you have all these people coming and giving all their monies to, to this church, tithing to the church. And then you have this lady that gave, gives the bare minimum yeah. and Jesus makes the reference of how she gave more than everybody else because she gave of what she had, yeah. not of her abundance. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> there's a danger of going into thinking if I suffer more, if I, if this costs me more then the Lord is more pleased to this, then he will be pleased than anything else. Sure. And I think to reference to back, I will go to Hosea 6.6 6, that talks about the idea of the Lord is more pleased by your obedience than sacrifice. Sure. So you had the nation of Israel going crazy with sacrifice, but they were being disobedient. So I will place a bigger, a bigger emphasis, too, on the aspect of obedience, giving with obedience, yeah. serving with obedience, being obedient first. And then if you are obedient, I will say then it will, it will turn into sacrificial. Sure. But not prioritize the aspect of sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think with the question, it sounds like whoever's submitting it, it's not a matter of if they should give or if they should yeah. serve. It sounds like they are. Yeah. And the question is, I, am I giving in a, in a way that it hurts or in a way that is sacrificial enough? And that's where, again, I think, you know, you don't ignore the conviction of the spirit of God. Yeah. Um, you know, I can think specifically of times in my life, um, even when it comes to giving. 
where maybe I knew, okay, God, God's expectation of me is more than what I'm doing, and I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll just kind of ignore that. Well, that, yeah. that doesn't go away. Yeah. And so that's where I feel like I, I would tell anybody when they're weighing out how much should I give, how much should I serve. These are principles in the New Testament that if you're a believer in Jesus, and anybody listening to this that's a follower of Christ, there's not a question of should you be giving. You should be yeah. in a way that honors God, in a sacrificial way that's planned and regular and voluntary. You're giving unto the Lord out of a cheerful heart. There's not a question of should you be serving. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus and the Spirit of God is in you, you've been giving a gift for the edification of the body of Christ. That's what the Bible says. So you should be serving. To the capacity or what level, that is between you and the Lord. Yeah. But again, I would I would make that a matter of prayer to the Lord. I would ask the Lord for direction, and then I wouldn't ignore the conviction of the Spirit of God. For sure. So. And, and, I, and I think, like you hinted to that this individual, by what I'm gathering, by the way that he's wording the question, he's actively serving, he's, he's already given, he's volunteering in the church. But I'm, there's that tension is of am I doing enough, right? Like, sure. It's like it's, when you're serving God, like am I doing enough to honor God? Am I doing yeah. God? Is this actually serving him or I'm just doing this out of convenience? So I'm going to add a question to this. I, don't, I know you don't like me doing that, but I'm going to ask a following yeah, question. Uh, in, today, you, you as a pastor, what would you say is an area that you're, uh, you know, I don't want to <laughs> say that you're feeling pain, but that you're serving God sacrific- sacrificially? What would be an example of that right now? Serving God sacrificially. That's, yeah. that's a hard question as someone in full-time ministry. That's because, why I'm asking because I want to know what it I looks think, like for you. Yeah, I think that that's something that, you know, as a full-time pastor, y- you are on call all the time, right? And and praise God. I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful God has me in that capacity. Yeah. But there can be sacrificial service even when you're vocationally serving in full-time ministry because you know there will be times that you might have to go when you're not necessarily prepared or ready to go you know to see people be with people pray with people Mm -hmm. uh there might be some things family-wise that that you have to shift around or that you have to you have to in that moment you know make an exception to be able to go to be with people instead of your family or um there might be some things that you put on hold or that you don't do because of the ministry responsibilities, yeah. but that's where I feel like where God calls, he equips, mm-hmm. where God calls, he enables. And so um, that's an understanding I think anybody going into full-time ministry should have going into it, you yeah. know? Um, and listen, if we're, whether you're a pastor or you're a full-time minister or just an individual that you're saying, hey, Lord, I'm serving you, every believer serving God should be serving God, quote-unquote, full-time. In the sense of whatever God has us doing vocationally, wherever God has us, whatever relationships God has us in, we are to be doing it as unto the Lord, yeah. right? So in that regard, it's not as though, well, because you're a pastor, you sacrifice so much more than anybody else does. That shouldn't be the mentality it anybody be. has. Not at all. Right? And, and, and I think yeah. that's a misconception that we often have, that we think that pastors should be the only ones that should be doing the work of God. Sure. Uh, or that we, we should de- deviate uh, the responsibility to the pastors to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously we are in full-time ministry in the sense of we're doing this as a vocation, but like you mentioned, every believer is in full-time ministry, whether they're called to be a pastor or working a ministry or not. Sure. So there is still the responsibility of all of us to be proactive, to be given, to be volunteers, yeah. to serve the church, support yep. the church and do all those things. Yep. And like the person is hinting in this question to do it in such a way 
that is sacrificial. That it, it has to require sacrifice. Sure. All, but at the same time, not getting so to the point where you think that if it's not sacrificial, if it's not costing you anything, then the Lord is not pleased by that. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I think sometimes it can. If if our service to the Lord is out of obligation strictly as opposed to out of love and service, mm -hmm. if it's out of, you know, desire to be seen of men, um, then those are the wrong heart yeah. motivations, yeah. right? It should be out of obedience, love, commitment, service. For sure. And I think that will be seen in our attitudes as we pursue it as well. Yeah. yeah. So let me switch gear with you. Uh, what is your, fav uh, your fantasy football draft strategy? Who's one guy you <laughs> – and with that – Who's one guy you really want on your fantasy team? This oh. is my fantasy football draft strategy, and who's the one guy? This is a really hard question. No, it's not. <laughs> Josh Allen. It's not Josh Allen. Josh Allen. Really? Okay, because Josh Allen, and just to get a little technical for people who don't like fantasy football or don't follow it, they will tune out for this part. Last two years, who has been the – let me ask you a question, Eric. Who has been the number one point getter in fantasy football for the last two years straight – and who do you think it's the same person is projected to be the number one fantasy point getter for this? Is next that year? runner back by the? Uh, oh man, what team is the the? It's a runner back. Calling for a friend, John Louis. Jonathan Taylor. Eckler. Eckler. Austin Eckler. You're wrong. No. The number one fantasy point. I'm an fantasy expert. football point getter for two years in a row and is projected for the third year in a row is Joshua Patrick Allen, number seventeen for the Buffalo Bills quarterback. That's who it is. And. I just so happened to see early this morning that uh, Dan Sims, who... But he doesn't uh, have a Super Bowl, though. No, he does. He's only been in the league for I four want, years. I just wanted to yeah, point I, out. I don't think anybody claimed he has one. No, but, no. Uh, I just wanted to point Dan, out he Chris doesn't Sims. have a Super Bowl. Chris Sims. One of the um, guys that comments on, on sports like crazy, and he's a <laughs> QB guy and all this other stuff, just listed his top 40 QBs in the okay. NFL and moving forward. You know who... I'm going give to you, give you time to answer this. Who do you think was his number one quarterback in the list that he said right now in the NFL is by far the best quarterback in the entire league and moving forward is the guy that you want on your team? Who do you think he listed? Tom Brady. Nope. Joshua Patrick. Yeah. Allen. I still go for Brady. That's isn't that isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it tells He's, me a lot. You take yeah. a forty-six year old. So Tom let me Brady, ask you: How much does Josh Allen pay to you? Like, like for you to be this devoted to him? I'm, I'm just a man of fact. I'm a man of fact. In, in, man of, <laughs> I'm a man of fact. The facts. fact is he doesn't have a Super Bowl. That's no, the fact. No, he does. He's been yeah, in the league for okay. four years. Yeah. Isn't that the goal? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so he's short know. of the People goal. People think that that's Anyways, the question is, what is your football Travis yeah. strategy? I just said. Go Joshua, for my home. Patrick, Allen. Okay. That's my, that's my football right. strategy. He's my number one pick this year. And Do you have, let me ask you, because if you didn't know this, some of the pastors had a, a fantasy football league this past year. Yeah. And you knew this because you were part of it. Actually, your team name was the champ. Ironically, yes. you did not. You were not a champ. I did you not came win. seventh out of eight. No, I don't think that's actually. Short, I think I was, only, yeah, I I seven six. out of eight. And the guy eight. who was at eight did not check his, his team. Who finished the, it? Who finished in eighth? Uh, we don't want to. We don't yeah, embarrass. We don't want to. Yeah, yeah, but fine. he did not check. The only time he checked the the team was week one when he drafted. Yes. Yeah. So and anybody, you just no, anybody, and you had Josh Mahomes as your quarterback. Uh, Josh Mahomes does not play in the NFL. Not Josh Mahomes. Uh, Josh. Uh, 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 yeah, what? Josh Allen. See, see, you're trying to. Josh slam. Allen. God Listen, won't even let it get I'm, out of your mouth. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna to move Ill. on from this question because you can't even you, get the words. Josh Allen. Yeah. So just just real quick because you had him as your QB and you lost. So I get yeah. Okay. Just before we move on. Uh, just no, no, before, we're moving on. No, but just before we do, people who play fantasy football know if you're in multiple fantasy football leagues, which oh, I was last year, you have the league that's important oh, yeah, that you pay attention to, and you here have the league go. that's just kind of Let me there. come out and, cl and clarify. Everybody he, knows. Pastor Bruce came out to the office one day and said, 
I am going to win out for the remaining of the season. Of course. And then he proceeded to lose every single game with that's the exception of one. Nope, that's a lie. Okay, fa- fact check. Lie. You like facts. We can go that's back and lie. check. We should fact check it. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm excited for this year fantasy league. We should do some penalties. I know. I haven't decided if I'm going to pay attention to it or not this year. Oh, okay. We'll yeah, see. because you, 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 yeah, I'm done. Uh, so how much? Oh, we're gonna say no. Look you know it. what? I'm gonna so start. So tongue tied over here. How Look much wow. is too much to Don't, spend on okay. shoes? Calm down. Calm down. It's okay. How much is too much to spend on shoes? Depends on who you are and what your budget is. That's it. Yeah. I what mean, about you? Some people it might be too much to spend on shoes if they spend fifty bucks. If they spend a hundred bucks, if it, it depends. Depends <laughs> on the individual. You what, know. What for you? For me personally, yeah. it depends on the shoes. Okay. Yeah, like for Jordans, for a pair of Air Jordans. Yeah, I don't know. I there's certain Air Jordans I would never buy because of how much they cost. Okay. Yeah, depends. Good, that's good. How come people keep submitting shoe questions? I don't know. They it's just want to know. They, they, maybe they seen you walking around. <laughs> it's incredible. Go ahead. All right, so wait, how much is too much for you? For me, a hundred, hundred twenty. Wow. Yeah, that must be nice. Go ahead. No, I don't mean that I wow. spent it, but. With so many strategies wow. in our t- wow. strategy, sorry, with so many tragedies in the world, so wars, shooting, sick, sickness, etc., how do we keep from being callous to a fallen world? Yeah, that's that's a good question. How do we keep from being callous to a, a fallen world where all the things that are happening we see on a daily basis? That that's one of the arguments people give about kids playing video games, right? Is that they become callous to killing mm-hmm. because then the video games they're like shooting people and stealing and everything else. So um, as a believer, I think the way that we become callous to the world is when we start to lose sight of the fact that um, we're in a sinful, fallen world, and this, the destructiveness of sin is what's on display. Yeah. So we can become callous to that when we become participants with it. Um, we can become callous to it when we begin to no longer have a you know, true heart and love for people that Christ called us to have for people. Um, we can become callous when we just look at people like, you know, blank faces, endless numbers. Yeah. And, and that can grow, you know, uh, we can grow callous to that. Um, but I do think one of the most important things is we cannot forget that the evil, destructiveness, the hardship, the, the terrible turmoil in the world today, that is a result of sin. Yeah. You know, and, and we live in a fallen world. And so as yeah. believers, the answer for that is, is always going to be the gospel of Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, we are called to love others and to demonstrate the love of Christ, share the gospel. So I, I think that's how we can help ourselves not to become calloused. Yeah. Keep looking at people it, through that lens. And I think, too, that is important to clarify or to, to point out that you also become callous to the world when you look at the world to give you things that only God can give you. Yeah. If you're looking at the world for the hope, if you're looking at the world to, to satisfy you, if you're looking at the world to provide security, safety, all these different things, right? You're always going to come short. Those things are only found in, in our relationship with God, right? Yeah. And the hope that we have, it, like we, we have the understanding and the knowledge that this is a broken world, that this is a perishing world, that it's a one that is controlled by sin, right? That, that Satan runs freely. But we also have the hope that there is a God in heaven that is in control, that is sovereign, that, that had sent his son to die on the cross for us, Three days later, rose from the dead, having victory from dead, but also from sin. And and even though he ascended heaven, he's returning. And in his return, he's bringing back order to this broken and fallen world. Sure. And so that is uh, that is something that we can, like, know and place our hope and, and understanding that, yeah. you know, even though things in the world are are, are chaotic, there's sickness, there's, there's wars, there's all of these terrible things happening, 
you know, this is a result of a broken, a broken world for a whole bit that the Lord is coming back and those things will be met. Yeah, and I think this goes to what we've been saying each week and asking a question of what is your life like beyond the pew? Yeah. Should be at the forefront of our minds as believers again that we can't separate our daily living from our church living. Yeah. They should be one and the same, right? When we're with the body of Christ, the love, the care, the worship, the, you know, the things of God that are a priority to us when we're in the church should equally be a priority to us when we leave the doors of the church. When we're ministering to people, our mindset should be that of Christ. And so, to your point, if we're looking at people as obstacles that are standing in the way of us gaining success that we want in this life, yeah. or if we look at people simply as stepping stones to get what we want, which is what a lot of people in the world do, how can I get up the next ring of the ladder, yeah. and, and who I have to step on to do that, I don't care, right? That's how you become callous to the needs of people and to the sin that is in the world and to the evil that is in the world because it becomes about myself, not about the Lord, yeah. and about serving others. And, and there's so many principles biblically where we're called to esteem others as better than ourselves. Look not at your own interests, but at the interests of others. Again, yeah. when Jesus said, you have heard it said, but I say to you, love your enemies, do good to those that would hate you. All the principles that God's Word gives, I think, if we're following them, help us yeah. to not grow callous to the world we live in. Yeah, and, and with that idea beyond the pew, this is why, too, it is important for us to be so confident and bold in the sharing of our faith. Yeah. You know, we and this could be another conversation for another time, but, you know, the, the, you, you often say this, and I think it's so valid in our culture today of how people have— this necessity to apologize or to disclaim, hey, I'm going to share this from the Bible, but listen, this is what the Bible says, sure. not my personal opinion. Like, there, we, we live in a world where we are afraid to tell what the Bible says. Yeah. We should be confident in the message that we have because it is the Word of God, right? Sure. And I think that because of how broken the world is and the fact that those of us that have believed and trusted in the message of the gospel, we've been in, instructed with something so important and 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 uh counter con, uh was the word um counterative to what the culture in the world is we should be the most prominent on sharing this way we should be sure. the most vocal with the most bold in going out and proclaiming the message of the gospel yep, I agree. um with that though bruce i, I wanted you to ask a question and i'm going to throw you another question so you you're at your house you're watch you're cruising through switching channels i don't know if you have tv cable do you have tv cable uh no we have like a streaming okay you service. have netflix so somehow you happen no, to we have oh. spectrum streaming it's oh, okay. like a minimum yeah okay. all right but it's not technically cable yeah that's a question i'm curious how many people actually have cable now it's a good question so i know they're genius though because here's what they did you could have cable for 60 dollars a month instead of having and have like over 100 channels now what they do is you can have five streaming services for 80 bucks Basically cable, but you're paying native. I don't know. Anyways, um, here's where I'm going with this question. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So you're watching the news. You come, you're cruising through your through the spectrum, and you see the news, and you see that there's been a school shooting. Yeah. So how do you react to that? Like, and, and we have had two happen recently, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, how did you react to that? Yeah, I mean, obviously the the shooting. I mean, there were several shootings that took place, and we've touched on that in the in, yeah. in this podcast. About the shootings that took place in Buffalo. I think but you know, episode two, so if you want to um, go back and listen yeah. to it. 
Um, but the shootings that took place in Buffalo and then the shootings that took place in Texas, Uvalde, Texas, and the school shooting and other shootings that have taken place. Um, when you see a school shooting, there's something particularly that tugs at the heartstrings, especially if you have kids. Yeah. Because, you you know, that's a parent's worst nightmare. You don't want to think about that ever happening to your kid, right? But, no, my immediate reaction when I see that, honestly, is is I do immediately just ask the Lord to, you know, to be at work. Um my my prayer always is like Lord, I don't know how in the world you could use what's going on here in a way that that is redeemable. But somehow, you know, allow allow your glory to be seen. Um, I pray for you know obviously the parents that, that are grieving the loss of their kids, and we'll pray for them, even though I don't know them. Yeah. I, I, my response is to pray for them, um, and it's obviously immediately to pray for my kids as well that God would protect them, that God would you know keep them safe. Um, having to give God that that trust, right? Which yeah. is sometimes, as a parent, you know, hard to know that you. There's going to be times that you can't do that for your kids. So, so, so I'm watching it, and and I, and not that you have been giving me that, but I don't want you to, because I'm going to set up this question. I don't want you to give me like the church answer. Yeah. Uh, but I'm watching it, and I'm getting angry. I'm getting mad. Yeah. I'm I'm I I get to a position where I, where I even start asking God. Like, why in the world you're allowing this to happen? Yeah. So if that's me, how, what would you say that practically I can do to so that I either can come out of this place or so that I don't get into the I don't get to that place? Yeah, I mean, I just to clarify, I don't. It's not that there's an absence of anger on my part. I, I do feel angry at the re, the reality that yeah. someone, a human being, you know, that evil men. Uh, evil women, evil people will do evil things. Yeah. So there is a reaction in my mind and thought of man, like it it is angering mm-hmm. inside to think about the evil that is present in the world and the reality that that's being acted upon. So I, I would agree. There's that emotion of anger as well. Yeah. Towards the sin and evil that is in the world and a longing for the day that that no longer is going to be present. Right. But if someone's responding to that and their their only emotion is one of anger or their only emotion is one of, um, you know, fury, mm-hmm. I, I feel like, you know, it's justified to feel angry and to feel, you know, furious at the evil and sin that is in the world yeah. and what's what people are doing. I think that that, that is even, um, you know, I don't know if I want to say necessarily that that's righteous anger because I think it can be different for every single person. For sure. But it can be righteous anger when it comes to that anger towards sin and mm-hmm. the destructiveness of sin and evil. Yeah. Um, but I, I do feel like the response for any believer has to be, Lord, we, we can't see what you see. We don't know all that you know, but we're going to trust all that you're doing. And yeah. because God's in control and he can be trusted. And, and, so and, I think that, and I think that's the harder part too. Yeah. The fact that you have to come to a place of recognition where it's like, there's nothing I can say and do. Sure that will change what is happening. Yeah. Right. Apart from trusting that God is in control yep. and that he either can direct my steps into doing something that he wants me to do or directs the steps of someone else to do what he wants it to do. Sure. And trust that God is going to work something out here. Now that's the challenge. That's why it's so hard because a lot of times that aspect of trust, it's not something tangible that you can see. And a lot of times we don't see the fruit of what God is doing Years after. Oh, we might not see. Or we may not, yeah, we you may know, not even see I it. I mean, the hope is with what you talked about a little bit earlier today, 
there is coming a day when Christ will will return. There's yeah. coming a day when sin and evil and the destructiveness of sin will no longer take effect um, because we'll be delivered from that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also gives the believer a greater longing for heaven. Yeah. You know, the, the worse and worse things get and the more evil that's prevalent in the world and the hardship and sickness and death, there's a greater longing for eternity, a greater yeah. longer, longing for heaven. And, and I think that should be the case for the believer, that we shouldn't be so comfortable and love so much the world that we're living in as far as the things of the world and the, the stuff of the world that we begin to have a longing for heaven lessened in our minds. It should yeah. be heightened in our minds. And that's key right there. And it makes me wonder too, like, and put myself into this, like how many of us actually are longing for the return of Jesus, are sure. longing for that time in, in eternity with Jesus. Yeah. Like, you know, you look in the New Testament, you see it in the letters and the epistles, that's all they're talking about, or not all they're talking about, but you see it often brought sure. up, you know, repent, kingdoms at hand, or, or hey, the Lord, the days are coming, the day of the Lord is coming. Sure. And this whole idea of Maranatha, right, what, yeah. but the Lord is coming back. Uh, and so I think that we have gone too, com- too comfortable with our world. The world has so much to offer so many good things to offer yeah. and that's what's hard or attractive things to offer and so I've, I'm guilty of these two at times where I get too comfortable but as a Christian as a believer my hope again it's not what this world has to offer or what this world can do for me it's what God who God is and what he will do through me and for me you yeah. know that's our hope Yeah. Uh, which leads us to our next question which is the question that we always ask but before you ask it you have to tell them the phone number yeah, it's so if, you're, <laughs> um, if you have questions or you have questions you want to submit, things that you want to submit to us, you can text us at the number that's in the description below the video. Which is? 330-331-6453. Say it backwards. 330-331-6453. Say it backwards. 330-331-6453. Okay, so... Um, that's the number and, uh, people can text it in. So we appreciate everybody listening. We kind of hit a gauntlet of things today, A lot of but we want to bring, we want to bring it back to the question we ask each week. And we hope that you're taking this Mm -hmm. to heart. What is your life like beyond the pew? Mm -hmm. And uh, we hope it's glorifying to the Lord. We'll see you next Friday. See you.